I'm actually standing this time. Um, good evening to Philadelphia. Uh, I am very grateful that uh, you guys extend a lot of grace. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it's been kind of nerve-wracking thinking about tonight, but uh, I believe with all my heart that God has really put this message on, on my heart to share with you. And um, I'd first like to start with prayer. So if you guys can just extend your hands and pray for me <laughs> and, uh, and also for yourself, that God would really touch you tonight. And then I'll start. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight, Lord. God, I thank you that you are the daddy who loves. You're the daddy who just holds us and wraps your arms around us. God, when the enemy comes, you come uh, even greater, Lord, and you push the enemy out. And so, God, I just pray that your presence would be in here thick tonight. God, that we would have hearts to receive um, and that your, your presence would just rest on us tonight. God, may my words be filled with grace. And, uh, yeah, just minister. Do your work tonight, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to kind of give you guys just a little bit of an idea of what I'm going to do. Stands really tall. Um, so I'm going to share a little bit first, and then I'm going to facilitate. It's kind of like a counseling time, but really the Holy Spirit just has to show up. And then uh, there will be a time of ministry. So just so you guys aren't totally like, confused. We don't have a God of confusion, so you can have a little bit of a heads up of what's going on. Um, tonight I'm going to be talking about something that's very sensitive to me personally and is probably very sensitive to most of you out there tonight. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, my personal testimony and just how God has unraveled his heart for me as a father um, through tragedy that has struck me throughout my life. Um, now, my testimony, I could probably spend a week talking to you about my life because I can talk a lot and I like details, but um, I'm going to try to be as clear as I can without giving my entire life story. So um, bear with me and yes, thank you that you guys have a lot of grace. Um, you know, I... I've never actually read Blue Like Jazz, but my roommate had the book, and it, I was starting to read it, and um, I came across this quote, and it says, Today I wonder why it is that God refers to himself as Father at all. This, to me, in light of the earthly representation of the role, seems a marketing mistake. Why would God want to call himself Father when so many fathers abandon their children? And... When I read that, I, I just had to sit on it for a while. And I really had to just ask God, yeah, really, he's got a good point. What the heck? <laughs> Why are you this father figure when so many fathers are awful? 
So many fathers are terrible. And even if they're good fathers, they still hurt us in so many ways. I, I can tell you that my dad is a hero to me in so many ways. And yet he's hurt me so many ways. Um, and so as I stand up here, anything that I share with you in ways that my dad has hurt me, uh, I just I don't want you guys to have a tainted picture of my dad. I don't want you to look at him in a sour light because my dad, to me, he has been a hero in so many ways. And I think that's why it is um, something that hurts us so badly is because he's somebody that we want, that we look up to, and somebody that we want to love us so badly. And it's the same thing with God. And we find ourselves just trekking through, trying to please God, trying to please God. And um, in the end, he's just saying, just be who you are. Um, just like what Marcus was preaching. You know, we got to just be before we do. And a lot of times we find ourselves just trying to please our dad. And um, my story with my dad might be different from some of you, but it's all the same hurt. For me, uh, a lot of my hurt has been uh, emotional neglect. And, uh, you know, sitting in here, many of you might have experienced emotional neglect for various reasons, or you might have experienced rape or sexual abuse or physical abuse. Uh, I'm thankful enough that I've not had, I've never been sexually abused or physically abused. Um, But I think sometimes we tend to overlook emotional neglect. And it's actually something that's very serious, it's very valid, and it can really destroy a person when they don't feel loved um, because it brings in that spirit of abandonment. Um, here's my prop tonight, this lovely box here. So each of us have a box with people that we know. We have a box with our dad. We have a box with our mom. We have a box with pretty much just every person. We, you know, we can't really have a box with God. Uh, I'll say a Graham Cook joke. He said, the only time that God ever put himself in a box, he said, if you touch it, I'll strike you down dead. And um, so we can't really have a box with God, right? Um, (laughs) But with other people, for the sake of an analogy, we have a box, and that box is in our heart. We have these places in our heart where people in our lives have, they've put good things and they've put bad things. And we really can't always sift through those things without the Father's help, without him really helping us. Um, I want to kind of, uh, when... What the Lord has really shown me is that uh, there's always a history. There's always a history behind somebody's brokenness and behind somebody's behavior. And the more that I started to get to know my dad uh, as I grew up, um, as an adult and as someone who was a believer, the more that I started to see his woundedness and his hurt and his baggage and the Lord started to turn my heart towards my dad uh, in a way that on my own I couldn't because I was so broken. When I came to the Lord, uh, and it was right before college, so when I came into college, I already had a college debt of unforgiveness. I didn't need a financial debt. I already had a debt of unforgiveness towards people that had really hurt me um, throughout my life. And one of the things... Um, that I was asking God was how how did my relationship with my dad become like this? Because when I was a kid my dad was I mean he took me hunting he took me fishing he took me camping uh, like I was daddy's girl you know and I loved my dad um, but 
tragedy strikes and the, you know satan he comes to steal kill and destroy and he does that in all of our lives and so whether you've had a father who has been completely uh neglectful your whole life like just absent because um, i've got one of those too i can share a little bit about that but uh or whether you've been sexually abused or whatever the case uh god wants to come in and he wants to heal that every pain that you feel is valid and I'm here to tell you tonight that these little things that you might think are just small incidents where you've been really hurt. Dad forgot to show up for the baseball game. Dad for sh- forgot to show up for the um, band concert. Or Dad chose not to show up or whatever. That's just as painful as, you know, my dad hit me or something. You know, that can turn into something so painful when it happens over and over and over and over again because we no longer have that encouragement that we need to build us up as people, to build us up and say, you can do this, I believe in you. And they don't even have to say it. There's just their presence. You know that. The presence of a father is so powerful. And um, as I grew up, a lot of my dad's presence was not there. Um, he was physically in the home and he was a provider and, and everything, but he was so broken and so burdened by life um, that he was really just not there. And even as I'm in Korea, um, he's not that in touch with me. I will say that I've been sowing a lot of prayers into my dad and praise God he has been emailing me back um, a lot better than he used to. Uh, so that's glory to God because only God can do that. Um, I'm sorry if I'm kind of going all over the place. It's hard to share when you have so many things that you want to share. Um, like I said, I could just talk forever about things. But um, with this this box that we have right here, we really have to let God come and speak to us. We have to let him come and show us. In places where our father has failed, we really have to let him come in and show us that he's our daddy. And I think when I first became a believer, I was scared of the father. I was really scared of the father. I couldn't even pray father or Abba like, and mean it with my real heart. Like, It was scary for me. And... I didn't really understand that, and actually it wasn't until my junior year of college that I could pray with a sincere heart out to the Father. It took several years of God showing me how he was a father to me and and proving faithful because I had so much fear towards the Father. Now, when it came to Jesus, oh, yeah, give me Jesus. He's my lover. He's my, you know, my salvation. He's my rock. But when it came to the Father, there was so much fear for me. And I had to really work through a lot of that and lay it down at the feet of the cross and lay it down at his feet, at the Father's feet, and just say, okay, I'm going to give you a chance, Dad. (laughs) And um, I think uh, one of the biggest things for me uh, has been an orphan spirit. And I want to give you a little bit of a trail of how I've walked with an orphan spirit for so many years. Uh, I was born into a broken family. My mom divorced my dad, I believe, before 
I was even born. And he was into drugs, and he was a hippie, so that's why I like, I'm a hippie, but Jesus hippie. And, um, <laughs> but he was totally like a partier, uh, into drugs, and he was gonna, he wasn't gonna be a good dad. And so my mom divorced him. And shortly afterwards, she met my dad, uh, Mike, who is my, he's the one that I'm talking about, who's my hero, who's really been, uh, a father to me in so many ways. Um, but he's been in my life since I was little. Like, he would hold me and play guitar. So he, I don't ever remember him not being in my life. And like I said, as a child, I had that dad's presence. I had him there. And to have that taken away, but him still be here, has been so painful. Um, my... Now, I also have issues with my mom, because, and that plays into issues with my dad. So those of you that have issues with your mom, you know, take heart. God heals that, too. <laughs> um, my mom, she was, she was amazing. Uh, but I guess it was about when I was seven or eight, she was diagnosed with bipolar. And she just, I knew four sides of my mom. I knew the drugged up side, who was on medication and just a zombie. I knew my normal mom, who was amazing. I knew my depressed mom, and I knew my manic mom. And I never knew what I was going to get. And neither did my dad. Neither did my sister. You know, I could come home from school, and she'd be flipping out, and she was all religious or whatever. And then I could come home from school, and she'd be depressed and sleeping or um, so I had to grow up really fast in so many ways, just taking care of my sister. And I, I think I had a lot of anger towards my mom and uh, and even towards my sister. And I had to really ask for forgiveness later because I think I had a lot of resentment for having to take care of her. But my mom, she was in and out of mental hospitals when I was a kid. And it put a lot of strain on my family. And it put a lot of strain on my dad. And... He, he's been a functioning alcoholic his whole life. So was his, so was his mom, and so it never really affected me because functioning is the word there. He was functioning. He could bring in good money. He could sustain a household. He's been a provider. He's been, he's always been in my life, um, you know, as a father in that way. But my parents. Uh, my mom got to a point where it was just really bad. Um, it could have been like an Andrea Yates case where she took the kids with her. And so um, my dad did the best thing that he knew to do, and he he left her. He, I mean, she actually was trying to get a divorce, and then he called it, and he got custody because uh, my mom, she had been in hospital, so courts are not going to give her custody, right? So... Um, about mm, maybe two years later, after the divorce, uh, we found out some really tragic news. So, but let me back up first. My my dad, at the, about the time of the divorce, I really started to shut people out of my life, and I don't think I realized it until I was in college when I was looking back on my life and thinking, "What the heck happened to my life? Like, why?" why did I become this way or, you know, whatever. And I was so hurt by the divorce that I started shutting out people who were really close to me. 
And those of you that know that I'm a physical touch person, well, I wouldn't even let my grandma hug me. I wouldn't let my mom hug me. I wouldn't let them kiss me. I wouldn't let anybody touch me because I was trying to protect myself. And God's really had to come in and heal that and show me, I am your protector. You don't have to put up those walls. I will protect you. And through the church, extending their hands of love to me, um, I had some roommates in college that were very like touchy and just just lovely, lovely women who uh, loved the Lord, and they were faithful, and they were people that I could really trust. Uh, one I lived with for four years, and um, God used them to break me and build me up again. And he actually gave me a dream uh, my freshman year of college about... Um, uh, I'd been praying for healing when I became a Christian. I knew I was just so broken. That's why I even came to Christ was because I was a, a wreck, just a disaster. And the Lord gave me this dream, and I was driving down the road to my old house, and my old house had burned down. And then people from my church were there, and they were rebuilding it. And God showed me that he was going to use his people and his love to rebuild me. And that is what he does. That is the Father's heart. Before I even knew it, he was already extending his hand to me and saying, I love you this much, that I'm going to tear you apart, and I'm going to rebuild you with my love. And that's what he does through the body of Christ. Um, So back to my story. uh, About two years later, uh, two and a half maybe, I was fourth grade, okay, so seventh grade. I don't know what the time span is anyway. But when I was in seventh grade, I was uh, 12 years old. My dad had met my stepmom, and so he had planned to marry her. And it was about that time that we knew that my dad was going to remarry that um, my I, I found out something very tragic. And in order to share this, I, I want to kind of put things into perspective because I was asking the Lord the other day um, actually it was like a year ago I was asking the Lord (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was asking the Lord you know whatever whatever a day is to the Lord same for me so a year ago I was asking the Lord I was like what what happened to my relationship with my dad like I don't understand how this happened like how did I lose this connection with my dad that I had when I was a kid? You know, where did it go? What happened? And the Lord took me to this memory. And oftentimes the Lord will do that. He'll take you back to a memory. And he will speak into that memory. And he'll bring a lot of healing because he lets you re-experience it with his presence. And that's his heart is to heal you in that way. And he took me back to this memory which is on the course of the story I'm telling you. And so um, I received a phone call from my grandma, and she uh, never wanted to talk to my dad, for one. So automatically when she says, let me talk to your dad, because it's my mom's mom and they're divorced now, uh, I just knew something wasn't right. So uh, I gave the phone to my dad, and I went in the living room. And immediately I just knew my mom's not alive. And I don't know how I knew. Um, but I was praying about that as well. I was like, Lord, why did I know? Like, I'm not just this 
I mean, I didn't even know you at the time. Like, how did I just know? And the Lord told me, he said, Diane, your mom, she wasn't there. She was gone. But I wanted you to know that I was there. Your mom was gone, but I was there. And the Lord, he just really touched me when I when he told me that because it was like, oh, it makes sense now. Like, okay, I get it. Um, and so my dad, he comes into the room and he, he walks in and a few explicit words, slams the phone, comes in and he says, uh, girls, it was my sister and I sitting on the couch. She says, girls, your mom, uh, she killed herself last night. And <laughs> try not to cry. Um, my sister immediately ran to my dad and embraced him and wept. And I just stood there, frozen. My whole world was broken. Everything that I had stood on, everything that I ever knew to be true and good was gone, taken away from me. And that little girl was completely shattered. Like Anita was talking about, the chandelier, that piece was shattered. And it was over. And I'd always had a childlike faith in God. But, um, and I even prayed to Jesus when I was a kid, but I didn't really know him. And at that point, it was like, if there is a God, I hate him. And I had all my anger towards God. But I knew he was real. And that's the only reason I could hate him, right? And... In those times of tragedy, that's when Satan, he comes in and he says, you are an orphan. God doesn't love you. You are an orphan. Look at that. He abandoned you. And you know what? It's because Satan was the first orphan. He knows what it's like to come out from the covering of the Father. And he wants you to feel that too. And I felt it. I felt it deeply. And... It was in that moment that the Lord showed me where my relationship with my dad crumbled because I stopped extending myself to him. And he was so broken that he could not extend to me. And he doesn't know the Lord either. And he, if I were, I could tell you a whole sermon on his story, but I, I won't. Um, but he has a very broken past as well. And um, when I look back and I see, that was his ex-wife. And he has these two daughters, and he's going to be married. And my stepmom has a, a yucky past as well. She has a... Um, she, she, I have a stepbrother from her, um, but her husband left her after years of marriage because he decided he was homosexual. So when my parents got married, we had our mom who had took her life and my stepmom whose husband had left her because he was homosexual now. And our family was just <laughs> no counseling. My dad didn't believe in counseling after all these years of trying to get my mom help and this and that. So we just kind of pushed everything under the rug. And we moved, so I lost all my friends. And um, it was rough. It was really rough. And, but God, he, he took me back to those places. 
And he really gently spoke to me, and he showed me just how much he loves and how much he was there with me, and he sustained me. And even though I couldn't receive my father's love on earth, he constantly pursued me. My dad, he could not, he could not reach out to me. He couldn't. He's too broken. He can't reach out to me today. When he emails me, I praise God because I know it's a breakthrough. Because he's very broken. And God, he pursues. He's not like our earthly father who's broken. He's a God who is very confident in who he is. He's a God who's very confident in the way that he loves. And he just really, he reaches to you and he says, I love you. I love you so much. And I don't care if you run from me. There was a time um, in high school, I, I had dated a guy in high school for three years, and God really protected me in that relationship as well, just from purity and different things like that. And um, I look back, and it's really actually very amazing. But the Lord, he had to show me, um, he showed me how he used that family um, to extend love to me because I couldn't even receive love from God. And I always ask God, why did you allow this relationship and why did you allow this kind of hurt to come upon me after I've already had all these other tragedies in my life? You know, I didn't even want to live anymore. And the Lord, he just showed me. He said, sometimes, sometimes I have to redeem you from the things I saved you through. His family gave me the love that I needed in high school when I wasn't getting it at home. His family was able to show me what a healthy family looked like, and they were able to love me and encourage me in those years. And in the end, God had to redeem me from that relationship and from the, that experience. And um, sometimes God does that because we can't receive his love. We're too hurt. We're too broken. But God loves us so much that he'll even manifest his love through an unbeliever. Those people were unbelievers. And they loved me. They loved me to life. And he used them to love me to life because he loved me so much. And he loves you so much that he's going to use anything he can to pursue you and to love you. And then when it's ripe, when your heart is ripe and ready to receive his love, he might take that thing away from you, but he will come in with a greater love that will sweep you off your feet. And that's the kind of love that the Father has. And that's the kind of love that he's extended to me. You know, uh, Ezekiel 16 always speaks to me because I look at that passage and, he's, you know, there's this person laying in their blood and nobody cared. That was me in high school. That was me when my mom died. You know, even if there were people that cared, they didn't know how to reach out to me. They didn't know how to help me. And everything was internal. I was laying in my blood, and God said, You will live. He says, Live. And that's what He says to you. He says, Live. So whatever tragedy you've gone through, whether you've been raped, whether you have been completely abandoned, whether you have never had a father or a mother in your life, no matter what your situation is, there is no situation that is too hard 
for God to heal. Everything is redeemable. Everything. Things that you thought were tragedy, they're redeemable. God can take you back to those places and he will bring healing. For me, I feel like I was on the threshing floor for about five years. And uh, they were five years that I look very fondly on. You guys probably hear me talk about my friends back home a lot. Um, It's because they were the source of my healing. God used them to heal me. That community back home really healed me. And I see that this is what is going to come from this congregation. When we really grasp the Father's heart, when we receive healing, we will be that bed of life for somebody who's so broken to just come and say, Heal me, rebuild my house because I am broken. I don't have anything else to live for. I had nothing to live for anymore. It was like, God, if you're not real, I'm done. See ya, peace out. I'm done with this life. And some of you are in that place or have been in that place where you just don't want to live anymore. But God has a purpose for you. And you've probably heard that so many times. It's so cliche. But let me say it again. God has a purpose for you. God had a purpose for me. I wouldn't be able to be up here and testify what God's done in my life if he were not living and real. I... My heart really um, was really broken when I came into college. When I first came to know the Lord, um, and He's been so good to me. He has been so good to me. I can tell you story after story after story of how He's provided for me. My dad, he um, he's very uh, anti-God in some ways. Uh, he believes in God. He's very intellectual, and he says that you know you're a fool if you don't believe in intellectual, or what, what is it called, intellectual design, or I can't remember what it's called, intelligent design. Uh, so he he knows that there's a God, but he's been really wounded. Um, I can probably name four or five times uh, by people that were believers, um, or maybe they were believers, but they were in bondage, and they really hurt him. And um, so when I became a Christian, and I was so radical, uh, and not only that, but my mom, she had also been, uh, a lot of times people with bipolar, they kind of have these like religious crazies or whatever, um, and I think he was really burned by that. So when he saw me being very uh, passionate about the Lord, he was very worried and very concerned, I think, and he thought that I was in a cult. And about a year and a half into college, he cut me off financially. He told me, uh, well, if you can support race for mission trips, then you can support race for your education. And that was really painful because he, one, he had promised that if I made good grades, he was going to help um, support me through college. But through that, uh, really caused me to lean into God. I had to lean into God I no longer had my dad who was a provider. Even though he wasn't there emotionally for me, he still was providing financially. But God took me out from that covering, and he said, you're going to come under my covering. He says, you have my inheritance now. You have my favor now. And I started to experience his favor in ways that I, I really am just astounded by. 
um, there were times that I didn't have money uh, for books and I didn't have money for even food in college. And somehow I was still able to go on all these trips and somehow I still ate. And I remember uh, this one time, some of you might know this story, it's one of my favorites. I hadn't had breakfast or lunch and I was out working and I uh, had worked in transportation services so I was taking money from people to park for a basketball game. And I was so hungry, oh my gosh, so hungry. And there was this man, and he was walking by, da-da-da-da-da, you know, had his phone and a pizza in his hand. And it was one of those, like, passing thoughts. I mean, I didn't even think twice about it. I was just like, oh, Lord, pizza. I don't think it was even, like, a full prayer. I didn't even know I prayed. And the man, he had passed me, right? He turns around, puts his phone down, and hands me the pizza. I was shocked. And oh, glory, hallelujah, I had a pizza for three days. <laughs> so I had food. <laughs> but not only that, he didn't just give us our basic needs. He goes beyond that. And, I mean, there were just even little things that I wanted. Like, I love uh, musicals and things like that. I, we have this thing called Opus uh, at the MSC, the Memorial Student Center back in A&M. And I really wanted to go see the show. And actually, I can't remember what show it is now. But um, I really wanted to go, and I didn't have money. And a lot of times at the end, the tickets that were already paid for but not claimed, they will give them out to students for free because we're broke college students, right? So I'm standing in line, or I had asked them like five times, and finally they're like, no, we don't have any unclaimed tickets, okay? <laughs> the show's about to start. Go away. And so I, I was just like, okay. So I was like, Lord, I really want to go. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll just buy the ticket. I don't have money, but I'll just buy the ticket. So anyway, I'm standing in line, and literally I'm maybe two people away from the box office, and this man just comes up to me and says, oh, do you need a ticket? <laughs> what? I'm like, oh, yes, I need a ticket. Thank you. So, I mean, just little things like that. And then also big things. There was one semester I didn't think I was going to be able to pay for college, and I wasn't going to be able to go back. But the Lord, um, someone sent me $500. Uh, they said, the Lord told me that you needed this. And then there, were, there was another person that sent me 500 another that sent me 100 another 100 I mean, it just kept adding up. And then suddenly, after the summer, I could pay for my tuition. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. Um, so really, like, after I came under the covering of my dad as a provider, God really took over. I mean, even the fact that I have this job in Korea for two years and I'm secured when so many people back in the States are not secured. And on top of that, I have an amazing house now. Um, God really cares about me. Like, <laughs> he really loves me. And, um, you know, he's blessed me to bless others now. And... Uh, so he takes care of these things, these places where we were once an orphan. You know, uh, there, there are just so many wounds that I have stemmed to that orphan spirit, but the Lord, he always comes in. Our heart is like an onion, and he just peels back those layers. He peels and he peels, and just when you think that you're done, he peels again, he peels again. I was home this summer, and... I um, I had to clean out a lot of my storage because I'm going to be overseas for a while. And so I was trying to just get rid of a bunch of stuff. And oh, it was a very hard, sentimental process. And 
I came across, uh, I had put together my binders with all my awards and different things, things people had given me, blah, 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 throughout my whole life. And I got to them and I started looking at them and my heart was just so filled with pain because these were things that I had done um, for myself, but also I realized how much all those years I was really trying to win the affirmation of my parents and trying to make them proud. And I just strove and I strove and I strove and I strove. And not only that, but when my mom died, the pendulum swung like from being this free spirit, la da da da, happy girl, to this, ah, I have to be perfect now. Like that was how I controlled my pain. Is I was very goal oriented, and I mean, naturally, I'm a goal oriented person, but that's just that was the weakness of becoming just that and not letting myself also be very free as well. And I had to come back to a middle ground with God when he started taking me through healing. But uh, I had I had just strove or striven, I don't know what the word is, so much through high school and junior high and had all these awards and this and that. Um, but it meant nothing to my parents. It meant nothing. It was a piece of paper. Yay, good job, if they said that. You know, I mean, they weren't showing up to things. They didn't show up to award ceremonies, to band concerts, to when I had, when I had solos, um, different things like that. And I sat there, and I just looked at all the papers, and I wept. And I wept, and I wept because God brought that revelation to me that uh, a lot of it was just in vain in some sense, you know. And, but God, he... He just so gently, he sat next to me in that little, you know, shed or whatever. And he just said, Diane, I saw you. I was there. I was proud of you. I helped you. I was there. And I wept. And I wept. And I put all those papers in a black trash bag and put them in the dumpster. (laughs) And I was like, okay, God. I don't have to strive, you know, for your love. Like, he already loved me, and he was helping me to accomplish whatever I have accomplished. Um, sorry. I'm going to catch my place. Okay. Um, The other thing that God really showed me about him as a father was that he was ever-present. My dad is not ever-present. Even if he wanted to be, he couldn't be. Your dad can't be ever-present, even if he wanted to be. Even if you have a good dad, he can't be ever-present. Um, but my God, he is ever-present. My Father, he is ever-present. Uh, the first time that I felt his tangible touch uh, manifest through me, I don't really shake a lot or you know any of that. A lot of people, some of you guys do, but uh, I don't. I need a very gentle touch from God, and he knows that. And... Uh, the first time that I experienced that tangible physical touch, well, besides through his believers uh, and his followers, 
because that's so vital as well. Um, but from him personally, like physically feeling him manifest in me, was a few years ago, uh, 2006, and I was in a, a conference, and during worship, my hands just started getting tingly. It was the first time I'd ever felt God. And in that time, I mean, I know that it has the healing touch and, or, you know, all of that. But for me, it was him saying, I'm at your right hand. I'm holding you. I'm walking with you. Those of you that know me, I like having someone with me. You know, I'm independent, but I like companionship. I like having a roommate. I don't like living alone. And... He just touched me, and he said, I'm here. Your papa's here. And there were times when it was really scary for me. Coming to Korea was really scary for me to just kind of step and come here. Or when I went to Dominican Republic, and even when I went to DR, I had my friend Kara with me, who's a very, very close friend of mine. And right when the plane touched down, my hand just became tingly. And he's just like, I got you. I got you. And um, for me, that's really powerful. And he knows that I need that. He knows that I need that touch. For Kara, actually, um, at night sometimes she gets a tingly right here on her forehead like he's kissing her. And, you know, God, he is so, so personal. He knows what we need. He knows how you like to be wooed. He knows how you like to be embraced, how you like to be spoken to. And that's how he talks to you. You know, he doesn't come in this loud, thunderous way. He comes in the gentle whisper. And that's how he comes to us and speaks to us. And, you know, we, we, can't, um, we can't really live from a place of full identity if we don't know the Father. It's knowing two-thirds of him. We can't just know two-thirds of him. We've got to know all three parts of him that he is a father, that he is the Holy Spirit that's in us, and that he's also our Savior, Jesus. And, um, you know, I, I don't know where you guys are at on your your path with the father, um, or even if you've got wounds with your mother, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I had wounds with both. But God heals and he redeems. Um,